0: Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for Scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today it's part two of the book of Genesis, chapters 36 and 37. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. A Jewish tradition claims that Jacob was penalized for preventing Dinah from marrying his brother Esau. Before his encounter, Jacob sent his family across the Jabbok River as we're told in Genesis 32. That same night he arose, he took two of his wives, his two maidservants and 11 of his 12 children. The Midrash asks, where was Dinah? And answers that Jacob had locked her in a chest saying that Esau should not see her and take her from me. God told Esau, you withheld Dinah from your brother and due to her good attributes, God told Jacob this, excuse me, you withheld Dinah from your brother and due to her good attributes, she could have helped reform him. Since you did not want to give her to Esau who was circumcised, you punished through her being taken, you are punished through her being taken by one who was uncircumcised. That would be Shechem the son of Hamar. You did not give her in legitimate matrimony therefore you are being punished Jacob by her being taken by Shechem illegitimately. Another Midrash account said that Dinah was impregnated by Shechem and gave birth to a Jacob's sons wanted to kill the baby so it would not be said that there was harlotry in the tents of Jacob. Jacob, however, brought a gold plate and wrote on the name of the Holy One. Blessed is he, according to another tradition, he recorded on the plate the episode with Shechem. Jacob hung the plate around a neck and sent her away. God dispatched the angel Michael to bring her to the house of Potiphar in Egypt. Hmm, interesting. Another exegetical account says that Dinah cast a on the wall of Egypt, the wall surrounding the palace. And that day, Potiphar went out for a walk with his servants next to the wall and heard the infant crying. And when they brought the baby to him, he saw the plate and the record of the episode. Potiphar told his servants, this girl is the daughter of great ones. He brought her to his home and gave her a wet nurse. Potiphar's wife was barren, and she raised a a seneth as her own daughter. Consequently, she was called a seneth daughter of Potiphar, and she was raised in the home of Potiphar and his wife as if she were their own daughter. Now remember this, okay? In contemporary Jewish art, there is an artist, Richard McBee, who writes or paints, writes in painting. These are contemporary, but this is the rape of Dinah. Dinah innocently went out to explore her surroundings and was raped by Shechem, prince of the city. Now the slaughter of the men of Shechem, Dinah's brothers... Simeon and Levi wreak vengeance for the rape of their sister, murdering the entire male population and plundering the city. You see they've been circumcised. Now Jacob saves Asenath. Dinah, raped by Shechem, gives birth to Asenath, and the baby was seen as the child of shame by Dinah's murderous brothers. To save her, she was sent away by her grandfather Jacob with a necklace that identified her as holy and taken by an angel down to Egypt, as recorded in the Midrash. A seneth arrives in Egypt now. Once in Egypt, a seneth was adopted by the childless couple, Mr. and Mrs. Potiphar in the Midrash again. A is discovered by Joseph. Joseph, fully accustomed to his role as Egyptian prime minister, this is later in the story, is adored by all the Egyptian women, but he notices one shy maiden who seems to be different. Hmm. A Aseneth brings Joseph home to meet Mr. and Mrs. Potiphar. Pharaoh then gave a to Joseph as his wife inadvertently reconnecting Joseph to his true Jewish past. Aseneth confirms Jacob's crossed blessing. Her role was to remind him in simple myriad of ways of his family, his heritage, his role as Jewish leader, especially as she became mother to his two sons, future tribes of Israel, Manasseh and Ephraim. As simultaneous survivor of sexual violence and bearer of identity and tradition in a foreign environment, Aseneth assured the Jewish future. So we know that in everything, God can work good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. We'll get back to more of that a little later. This is a painting of Dinah kissing her daughter Aseneth goodbye, her daughter of rape with Shechem, kissing her goodbye as she's being taken away to Egypt. Okay, then we get to Genesis chapter 36, and we have a whole running chapter of Esau's descendants. Esau. His other name will be called Edom. He takes wives from the Canaanites initially. I'm going to skip through most of this. He's blessed as as Jacob prayed that blessing, what was left that he could give to him. But he has cattle, he has land, he has members, numerous of his household, property. Uh, His possessions become too great. Both boys are blessed greatly. Their positions are too great that they must split even further apart so that the land can support both of their growing kingdoms. Esau goes to Sire, the hill country of Sire, which is Edom so if you look at a map Ammon at the top then the kingdom of Moab remember the Ammonites and the Moabites these are Lot's daughters by paternal incest make those kingdoms of Ammon and Moab now we have the kingdom of Edom which will be Esau's people and they'll be the Edomites also a thorn in Israel's side down the road Remember when Isaac's father gave him that leftover blessing. Father, you've given the blessing away. Is there anything left for me? He said, behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be and away from the dew of heaven on high. But when you break loose, you shall break his yoke from your neck. That happened when forgiveness came. When the two brothers kissed, embraced, there was forgiveness and the yoke was free. And the two brothers become independent, separate nations. These are the descendants of Esau, the father of the Edomites of the hill country of Sire. He'll have this uh, near the Sinai wilderness, Mount Seir, in the kingdom of Edom. In the hill country of Sire is a rich, red, craggy land. The descendants of the Edomites in the hill country of Seir. Now... His wives get a little bit confusing because in Genesis 26, we were told that he married the two Hittite girls and Rebecca thought she would die. Then in Genesis 28, he realizes that these Canaanite women are displeasing to his parents and so he went to Ishmael and married one of Ishmael's daughters. Do you remember that? In addition to the Canaanite wives he had, at least they're also sired by Abraham. And then today in Genesis 36, we get another account of more wives and so it's possible some of the family trees show Esau having up to six wives. It gets a bit confusing they also have many chiefs and his sons become chiefs. And that's showing us that his kingdom is growing. And it says, these are the kings now who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the Israelites. So they become a kingdom first. They assign kings and Israel will not because they have one king, which is God. And so they haven't ascribed to kings yet. But Esau's Kingdom has. And uh, there are chiefs and kings. Now we go to the meat of today's lesson Genesis 37 and Joseph. Jacob dwelt in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Cana. This is the history of the family of Jacob, Joseph was 17 years old at this time he was shepherding the flocks with his brothers he was a lad with the sons of bilhah and zilpah he's closer in age to them the midwives the midmaid maid servants and joseph brought an ill report of the other brothers to their father no one likes a tattletale joseph's a snitch he's checking on the other brothers mostly the sons of leah for his father mrs fluffernut billy keeps calling me a tattletale no one likes a tattletale also israel loved joseph more than any other of his children is that a good parenting technique? Because he was the son of his old age and he made him a long robe with sleeves. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other children and he says it's because he's a son of his old age. Do you buy that? Hmm. Was it really because of his old age? Some of you are old. You like, the, you like your, your youngest kids the best. Who should have been Jacob's first son? you're forgetting something. Jacob loved Rachel. He met her at the well. Remember, it's the most incredible love story. They met at the well and Jacob kissed her and he started to weep. Remember? He loved her. He served seven years for Rachel. It seemed to him only like a few days because of the great love he had for her. But on the wedding night, deceptive Uncle Laban took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and he went into her. Now Jacob becomes his first wife. He said, you'll have to complete one week and then we'll let you have the other girl if you work another seven years. You remember that. Finally, many years later, Rachel will conceive This is the wife of his love. This is the wife he fell in love with. This is Rachel's firstborn son and Jacob's what? 11th son. He has 10 sons before Joseph, but this is the first son of the wife he loved. Jacob's beloved Rachel died in giving birth to their second son, Benjamin, son number 12 for Jacob. Jacob must dearly miss the love of his life, Rachel. But Joseph is a reminder of their love and he is Jacob's favorite son. And it probably has nothing to do with his age. But Joseph is always a reminder of the father's great love for for Rachel. Now, when in Genesis did we last see an array of colors like this? every color under the rainbow. It was a covenant with Noah. God had sent a bow in the rain clouds, a bow of many, many colors. And God said, this will be a sign of my covenant, my love for you. A colorful reminder of the father's love, his covenantal love, which always means family. Joseph will wear a rainbow coat of many colors to remind him of his father's great love for him. God the father has many sons, right? Whom he dearly, dearly, dearly loves. All of you men here today. But God the Father had one son whom he called his only beloved son. Was Jesus God's favorite son? Are we jealous of Jesus? No, because God's love is infinite and we know that. We know he has a lot enough for us too. Did God have a favorite wife? Uh, are we jealous of Mary? Because she's a highly favored daughter of Israel. Both these favorites will use their gift of life as a total gift of self, conforming to the perfect sacrifice to win our salvation. So we're not jealous of them, we're very thankful for them, but both will be conformed to total sacrifice throughout their lives. So we have to see the big picture of what's going on in Genesis. God's first wife, God's Leah, will be Israel. God's second wife, his bride, will be the church. God's first marriage will be nullified by God's death on a cross in the second person of the Trinity. They don't know any of that yet. But the widowed bride, Israel, will be invited to be incorporated into God's new spousal union with the one church. It's a big picture, but it's hard to see it when you're in the middle of it, when you're just a speck on the painting. It's much easier when you step back and look down with a bird's eye view of the whole story. So this is one of my favorite stories we're beginning now. It's a story of Joseph. And it's Joseph is a typology of Jesus Christ. A very, very strong, maybe the strongest typology in the book of Genesis. Joseph and Jesus. So spiritually, as we're going through these next chapters to the end, you want to try to see Old Testament Joseph through the lens of New Testament Jesus, the antitype, the one who's greater, looking together through two lenses, the Joseph lens and the Jesus lens. And it's a very, very, very strong typology. Jesus will be the anti-type of Joseph who will bring a new covenant code of many colors for all brothers. They all have the same father. Jesus will bring a white baptismal garment of a new creation freed from the blood stain of original sin in human DNA. Both coats will be stained with blood. Paul tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ as a garment, a new covenant garment of white cloth, purity, sinlessness, The blood of Christ will wash away all our blood-stained DNA of original sin and create us into a new family, a new creation family. We sometimes say we are an Easter people. Both Joseph and Jesus will have blood-stained clothes offered back to the Father. These are Hebrew scriptures. So why don't some of the Jews see these obvious connections? Because they're not reading through these glasses. They don't have the two lenses, the lens of Jesus. They don't have the binocular vision of two lenses. There's a monocular lens. You can buy them. Uh, this I just thought of on my own today. I was like, you could get a monocular That's just one lens. Some people like those. They're easier to put in your pocket. They're smaller. Or you can get binocular lenses or two lenses. Binoculars give us a much wider view and much greater depth perception. So, He's the God of two Testaments, the Old Testament monocular, the New Testament. Together with the Old Testament is a binocular view, a greater perspective, more depth in the story. The monocular lens, one eye, can only take in the visual field presented. A binocular, two lenses overlap with a greater field of vision and a greater depth of perception. So we take the two testaments together and this is what Paul figured out. This is what Paul saw and this is what he wrote to the people of Corinth. But their minds, and he was talking about unbelieving Jews, their minds were hardened to this day. For when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ was the veil taken away. They can't see it through the monocular lens. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, Torah is Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament, a veil lies over their minds. But when man, a man turns to the Lord, the veil is lifted, it's removed. And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord, and we are changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So with us, because we have the New Testament and we see through Jesus, the veil has been lifted. We understand the Old Testament in a different way. The Father tore the veil from top to bottom in the temple, the Holy of Holies, at the time of the crucifixion, and humanity has now had access back to the Father once again through Jesus. He's the only way back to the Father. And so now going back to the story with these double lenses, okay? When his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all his brothers, they hated Joseph, and they could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they only hated him all the more. He said to them, hear this dream that I dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Well, his brothers, you know that went over real well. His brothers said to him, and these are Leah's sons, Leah's six sons. They're all sons of Leah. They're tight. These are tight brothers Joseph used to play with the Maid's kids with Bilhah and Zilpah's kids, the younger kids. These brothers of Leah, they stick together. Are you indeed to reign over us? Or have you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him all the more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and he told about his brothers about it. Behold, I dreamed another dream and behold the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And he's just being truthful. He's just telling what he dreamed. But when he told it to his brothers, his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him. And he said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves on the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this saying in mind. Now his brothers went to pasture their flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing in the flocks at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, here I am. And so he said to him, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word again. So Joseph goes out to find his brothers. He sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem. You know what happened at Shechem. That's where Dinah was raped. Not a lot of good happens at Shechem in in this passage. A man found him wandering in the fields and the man asked him, what are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, I pray you. Where are they pasturing the flock? The man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. You can see from Bethel where he started up to Shechem, up to Dothan. is quite a journey. They saw him afar off. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him, to kill him. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And then we shall say that a wild beast has devoured him and we shall see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, Reuben the firstborn of Leah and Jacob, when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands saying, let's not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, cast him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand upon him what is reuben's motivation reuben is jacob's oldest son and he may have been trying to get back into his father's good graces if you recall from last week in genesis 35 while his father was away reuben made a power play with his father's maidservant bilhah his father's concubine he lay with her and israel heard of it and israel is not happy with reuben reuben said to him shed no blood cast him into the pit in the wilderness but lay no hand on him that he reuben might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father if he brings joseph the favorite son back to his father he might get back in his father's good graces again maybe he can get that oldest son's blessing again the double inheritance the birthright by rescuing Jacob's favored child, Reuben could win Jacob's favor back. So he has ulterior motive here. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with the sleeves that he wore, similar to the way his own brothers, brothers of Israel, stripped Jesus and put a scarlet robe on him. This is, this is you can see the passion of the Lord in this passage. You can see the typology if, if, with your spiritual eyes. And they took him. And cast him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. So they put this kid down into this deep, 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 deep pit. It's dark. Jesus also, the typology, the anti-type. Jesus was put down into an empty, dry pit at the home of Caiaphas, the high priest of Israel. The house of Caiaphas, it's today in the church of St. Peter in Galicantu in Jerusalem, Israel. It's 100% certain the spot where Jesus was held in a pit. Before trial with Pilate, he was lowered down into this dry pit for the night. Uh, when you go stand in this pit, it's a hundred percent certainty that Jesus Christ's feet were on the same ground you're standing on There's a uh small book in the corner open to psalm eighty eight psalm eighty eight is a psalm written by David, but it could have been prayed. It was prayed probably that night by Jesus. It probably would be one that would resonate also it was After Joseph, but it fits for him too. It's a prayer for help and despondency. Oh, Lord my God, I call for help by day. I cry out in the night before thee. I am reckoned among those who go down into the pit. Thou hast put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep, and caused my companions to shun me. Thou hast made me a thing of horror to them. Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer thy terrors, I am helpless. Thy wrath has swept over me, thy dread assault destroys me. They surround me like a flood all day long, they close in upon me together. Thou hast caused lover and friend to shun me, my companions are in darkness. This is the same feeling Joseph would have had being thrown in by his own brothers. Down in the pit, screaming, crying crying for them to help him crying to get out and what did the brothers do they sat down to eat did you catch that when you read this passage they sat down to eat this kid is screaming and crying they look up they see a caravan of ishmaelites coming from gilead they have camels bearing gum and balm and myrrh they know they're rich they're carrying it down to egypt and judah Judah, the fourth son of Leah and Jacob. Judah says, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let it not be our hand upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers heeded him. Then Midianite traders passed by. They drew Joseph up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. We know Jesus was sold by his own brothers for 30, his own brother, his own apostle Judas Iscariot for 30 pieces of silver. You see the back and forth of the two stories. They took Joseph to Egypt. Now from Dothan where they were all the way to Egypt is a long journey. They think they will never, ever, 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 ever see Joseph again. And they made money and they're done with him. Now, when Reuben returned, he must have been out with the animals. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he rent his garments, he rent his clothes, he tore them, and he turned to his brothers and he said, The lad is gone, and I, where shall I go? What's he worried about? Himself. Now I can't take him back to dad. Now I'm still in the doghouse. Now I don't have the graces of father. How is this going to be for me? They took Joseph's robe, listening to Reuben, and his concern. They took Joseph's robe. Reuben's the oldest brother. He's responsible to bring this young kid back to his father, especially his favorite son. The brothers side with Reuben. They took Joseph's robe. They killed the goat. They dipped the robe in blood. They sent the long robe with the sleeves and brought it to their father and said, this we have found. See whether it is your son's robe or not. They don't know. And he recognized it and he said, it is my son's robe. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. And the Oscar goes to (laughs) sons of Jacob award-winning performance in deceit and duplicity. Jacob rent his garments. He put sackcloth upon his loins. He mourned for his son Joseph many days. Just as old Isaac, his father, was deceived by a son. Now he, Jacob, is being deceived by sons. What comes around goes around. You reap what you sow. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, and he rescued. He refused. He refused to be comforted. Jacob said, No, I will go down to Sheol, to my son, mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold Joseph to eat in Egypt to who? To Potiphar, the office of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Joseph is going to meet someone in the house of Potiphar. Do you remember who? A the daughter of rape that Dinah kissed goodbye many, many, many years earlier. It tells us in Genesis 41 that Pharaoh gave Joseph in marriage to Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Before the year of famine came, Joseph had two sons, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. So Joseph and she wed, and Joseph and she have two sons, and those two sons will become part of the 12 tribes of Israel. Ephraim and Manasseh. And to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potopharah, the priest of On, bore to him. So we know that in everything, God works good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Dinah, the only daughter of Jacob and Leah, may have contributed much to the story of salvation. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we know you have a plan, and we know that in everything you can bring good for those who love you many of us have situations in our lives that we see no way that anything good could come from it but we know if we trust in you father that you are a god of miracles you are a god of impossibilities and that you can bring good out of everything for those who love you we can't always see the big picture but you do lord god and we praise and thank you for that amen in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen That was part two of the book of Genesis, chapters 36 and 37, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.